Good morning. Oh, that was some good worship. That was good. I love that song. Uh, I want to, before we get going with our learning time today, if you, if actually, if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you brought a Bible or your phone or whatever, Romans chapter 6 through 8. But before we get to that, I want to thank all the people that were involved in our, uh, our Holy Week. Uh, we had a good Friday service here that was, it was spectacular. We, I just wanted to thank all the people. Yeah, you clapped for that. Yeah. There were people... Some ladies behind the scenes that wrote and directed that, and, and uh, Kevin Maurice kind of helped choreograph that, and then the student, some students in the student ministry served us that night. It was just a great night. It really was. And then Resurrection Sunday, awesome. Thank you so much for anything and everything that you did, uh, parking far away and helping in our, our children's ministry and being a greeter and just being, and, and security. I was really grateful for security on Sunday. Kind of a weird thing. Uh, but... It was a good Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Grace, coming to church. It was great to serve you guys and to be with you on that day. Uh, let's just clap for that, too. So. And today, today's a great day to be at Grace Covenant Church. Roll up your sleeves. We're going to get stuff done today. Today, how to change your life. How to help someone else change their life. How to be a parent. Whatever. It's, this is about life change today. We're looking at Romans chapter 6, 7, or 6 and 8 for the most part. It's how to be a disciple, to become like Christ in all of life. And the method we're going to look at today has been taught in the book of Romans for over 2,000 years, and now it's cool. It's the thing now, and uh, now we're the cool kids. So finally, it, it, took, it took some time. Today, we're going to look at three keys to life change. Three keys to life change. This is the overarching principle. It's this. You are what you practice. You are what you practice. You have habits, and the habits, that's who you become. Because this goes way back, but Aristotle put it this way, and he, he's writing a letter to his son about how to live life. Excellence and virtue are synonymous. He says, excellence, virtue is an art won by training and habituation, okay? It does n- it, we do not act rightly because we have virtue or excellence, but rather we have those things because we have acted rightly. In other words, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act but a habit. What we practice, we become. What we practice, we become. And, like, who you are right now? It's just a product of the various things you've been practicing, lo, these many years. The, in your mind, can you think of that grumpy old man or that sour old woman who has no friends? That didn't just happen. It wasn't just like something that sprung up. What happened was, if you go back in time and rewind, you'll find he was a grumpy young man. And it was a sourpuss old young woman, and they just kept pushing their friends away, and they've become that grumpy old person. Emotions are practiced. Just like practicing and learning tennis or piano, you practice fits of anger or sulking, and they become like a stronghold in your life, and you become a sulker. Or you could practice forgiveness. You could, you could practice humility and become a humble person. What you practice, you become. Now, listen, here's the key to these habits. Here's the key to what makes us 
consistent in the idea of change. That's the take. How do you change? Three points of changing. This is one that's always been in the Bible, but now it's getting cool. It's, it's this, here's the first principle, identity-driven change. Identity-driven change. There's a book right now called uh, Cosmic Habits, and it's, it's a very popular, easy-to-read book that's talking about what you would call in college cognitive therapy, but not just thinking right so that you behave right. It's particular on this, this, this idea of identity, right? Who you are. The mindset is focused on the definition of who you are. Let me, I'm going to go through this quite a few times in a different number of different ways, but it's, it's common to look for a self-help book, and, it's, and it says uh, five easy steps to life change, or that's a common one, and another one is visualizing your goal and then, and then, and then doing the habits to make that goal happen. Those all have very bad success rates, right? They, they have terrible. They're, they're, usually they don't work well because of the way they're looking at it, even the direction that they're flowing. The, what people have figured out now that have been in the Bible all along is you have to go deeper and start from a different direction. It starts with identity. In other words, you start with understanding who you are that produces a behavior or habits that, produce, that end up getting a goal. And, and the, most models, they start with the goal and then encourage habits, hoping you'll have a different identity. And what I'm trying to show you is your identity is flowing out all the time into habits that end up with goals, whether you like them or not. In other words, your, your current behavior your current habits is actually a reflection of your current identity. It's a mirror of it. In other words, let me say again, if we rewound the, the, the time to the grumpy old man and met him as uh, someone in their 40s or 30s, their identity was this. You know, I'm pretty much right all the time. You know, and I'm, it seems like I'm smarter th than, than most. And I uh, am, he, he wouldn't say, but I'm, I'm judgmental towards other. He, maybe he's a little bit above. We would use less flattering phrases like he is proud or insecure or self-righteous. But that's his identity, and he did the habits that flew out of that, and that's why he's a grumpy old man with no friends. He pushed them all away. So you want to change your behavior? You don't start over here with your goals, hoping habits. You start with identity and work that way. Let me, again, I'm going to keep it simple so that we kind of understand the flow here. Uh, you, you want to lose 20 pounds and be able to lift 100 pounds over your head, okay? Common model is this is my goal, 20-pound weight loss, 100 pounds over my head stronger, right? And so I'm going to set goals, right? I'm going to eat better, exercise more, and then, then I'm going to become this different identity, a different type of person. That doesn't work because motivation is very difficult uh, in, in the context of working the flow that way. That what the Bible teaches and what some people are starting to come to realize in cognitive therapy slash identity Therapy is, you start here, watch again, in our model here. You know, I'm the type of person that cares about their body. In a word, okay, I'm an athlete, okay? It doesn't, it's just like, just, you say that inside mostly, okay? So I'm an athlete. And so, 
And so when it's decision time, you don't like so you don't work out so that you'll become an athlete. You realize, oh, I'm an athlete, and so athletes work out. I work out two to four times a week because that's what athletes do, because it's, it's birthing out of this. And so, look, there's some stairs. Athletes take stairs. They don't take elevators. So look at me taking the stairs. What's this, a donut? Athletes don't eat donuts. That's a real bad part of athletes, right? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. When you set your mind on identity, it produces habits, flows out, and then guess what? You have goals that are achieved. You're working it this way from deeper to habits to goals. So what, what most people do wrong here is they, they work at the goal and then maybe the habit, and they never get to the identity. The Bible will say this, identity, start there. And identity by identity, mean, I mean, it's how how you're defined. It's your beliefs. It's, it's where your preferences and biases come from. In a big, big thing, it's, it's your worldview. It's your self-image. It's, it's judgments. It's how you score yourself and how you score other people around you. So life change is not goal, habit, identity. It's identity, habit, goal. So this is the key right here, identity. And let's quit talking about, you know, the physical. Let's talk about the real stuff, the stuff that matters, the eternal things. What is your identity? Who are you? And who decides? Here's what the Bible says. God did not, God did this, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. That means his perfect perfection. That's his attribute, that is his nature, holiness. God did this to demonstrate his holiness, his righteousness at the present time, so as to be both just, there it is again, right? Righteous, Sadiq, and the one who justifies Sadiq. He makes Sadiq those who have faith in Jesus Christ. That Sadiq there, Sadekness, that we've we spent six weeks on it. So the word means holiness. The word means righteousness. It means perfectly perfect. That's God. Jesus is, is Sadiq, and he's the one who makes Sadiq. He imprints this on our soul's soul. He doesn't just declare us righteous. You need to understand, he does not just declare us righteous, innocent. He changes our whole identity. And when we set our mind on that, it will change the way we behave and who we befriend and what we do with our life. It has to. It flows out of who we are, who God says we are. We are, we are another phrase, we are predestined. It is our destiny to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. What's the image? Sadiq, holy. We are predestined to look that way. Well, I'm not making this up. This is, a, this is a promise. Look what it says in Romans 8. For those who he foreknew, that's us, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Whole, complete, lacking in nothing. We would say emotionally healthy. We would say the ability to love and to be loved, the ability to know and to be known. It, and, and, and this is the rub. 
Okay, I wanna, I'm, I'm having the guys leave this on the, on the screens because I want you to see this is where it breaks down in many people's lives. Because when it comes to identity right here, to become like Christ in all of life, we'll say, nah, not all of life, some of life, maybe even most of life. But I kind of like not being conformed all the way because the selfish thing, it's working. I'm getting what I want. I get to keep what's mine. I get to use some angles. It's working. And look, let's look at this sentence again. Who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So when you're over here, but kind of and almost and most of, you're going, you're swimming up a waterfall. You're going against the holy destiny that God has for your life, and he's sovereign. And if you don't want to be generous, that's okay. He's going to work it into the into your life somehow because he wants you to be conformed to the fullness of who his son is. It's predestined that way. So I mean, you might consider if you have difficulty in the Christian life, just I'm going to move on to, to you know, everyone else saying, no, I want to do this. I want to be just like Christ in all of life. But if, if you've had trouble in your Christian life, could it possibly be that you don't like this new image completely? All of it become like Christ in all of life where he decides the rules and the values? I'm just saying. So here's the point. Here's the point. You want to change? Here's what you have to set your mind. Your mindset is not on the goal. Your mind is not set on the habit. Your mind is set on the spirit and what he has done on this new identity. The key is this, God Almighty has declared this to be true. He is holy and made you holy. He is righteous, made you righteous. He is Sadiq and has declared you Sadiq. Set your mind on that. That's what Romans 8 says. Watch, look at this. For those who live according to, according to, those are habits, right? Those who have habits that are the sinful nature, have their minds set on that nature desires, what nature desires. But those who to live in accordance with, those who have habits with the spirit, have their mindset on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man leads to death. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The, mind who, the, the person who sets their mind to the spirit has spiritual habits and leads to life. The man who has a mindset to the fleshly desires, selfishness, leads to habits, leads to death. So I'll bet some of you are thinking, oh, no, 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 I know this. I know this. This is the, this is the life change thing that goes like this. Fake it till you make it, right? No, 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 no. That's so wrong for so many different ways. First, it's working, it's working the thing backwards. Oh, I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to start here and then do habits, and then I hope I can be this. It's, it's not, first of all, it's not fake it till you make it. You've already made it. That's a fact. Ask around. God, angels, demons, 
you've already made it. Two, you're not faking it if that's already true. Now you're just expressing that in the habits, right? Because you have this new identity. It's producing spiritual habits that ends up getting you goals. You're going to love what he does with your life. I know just this, the concept of identity is both profound and sometimes difficult to understand. The breadth of it and the depth of it. It's, it's how you define yourself. Again, it's your worldview. It is so important because this is true. What you believe yourself to be, it shows up in your habits and in your life. And, and because it's so important in life change, in my office across the street, I have a little prop because it comes in handy a lot. It helps people understand what identity is by looking at a person who has the wrong identity. They've believed a lie about themselves. And because they had a lie in their identity, they had habits, and they led to very bad consequences. It's the story, you know this guy, right? Buzz Lightyear? It is so fun to watch someone else have an identity crisis, isn't it? That's what's happening in the, the whole first Toy Story. Watch the video again with this new realization that who he believes his identity is leads to habits, leads to goals or consequences he doesn't like. And once he figures his real true identity out, now we're going to see what happens. Roll the tape. All right, that's enough. Look, we're all very impressed with Andy's new toy. Toy? T-O-Y. Excuse me, I, I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The word I'm searching for, I can't say, because there's preschool toys present. Getting kind of tense, aren't you? Say there, lizard and stretchy dog. Let me show you something. It looks as though I've been accepted into your culture. Your chief, Andy, inscribed his name on me. Wow! With permanent ink, too! How dare you open a spaceman's helmet on an uncharted planet! My eyeballs could have been sucked from their sockets. You actually think you're the Buzz Lightyear? And you, my friend, are responsible for delaying my rendezvous with Star Command. You are a toy! You weren't the real Buzz Lightyear. You're, a, you're an action figure. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Calling Buzz Lightyear. Come in, Buzz Lightyear. This is Star Command. Buzz Star Lightyear, Command. do you read me? Buzz Lightyear responding. Read you loud and clear. Buzz Lightyear, planet Earth needs your help. On the way. Buzz Lightyear, the world's greatest superhero, now the world's greatest toy. Buzz has it all. Blocking wrist communicator. Calling Buzz Lightyear. Karate chop action. Wow. Pulsating laser light. Oh, Multi-phase voice simulator. In the secret mission in uncharted space. Oh, Buzz, you've had a big fall. You, you must not be thinking clearly. No, Woody. For the first time, I am thinking clearly. You were right all along. I'm not a space ranger. I'm just a toy, a stupid little insignificant toy. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a, a space ranger. Yeah, right. No, it is. Look, over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest, and it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his toy. 
line. This is falling with style. That's good movie making. Yeah. Yay to a story. So poor Woody's trying to be a good friend and love him, uh, giving him truth. And uh, that's, that's the identity crisis, that Buzz is not a human, and he's definitely not the real, a real space ranger. But the whole story is about he's a toy. He's Andy's toy. Andy owns him. And the story is about what could happen with a toy when he understands and grasps his identity, what he can do when that boy has written his name on his soul in permanent ink. He might not be able to fly, but boy, he can fall with style. (laughs) You, me, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, You are not defined. Your identity is not your addiction. It is not your success. Your identity is not your appearance. That's it. If you can lose it, that's not where your identity should be. You, me, followers of Jesus Christ, this is true. It's coming at you, Woody, strong. You're stupid, filthy, rebellious sheep, that the relentless love of God loved so much that he gave his only son to leave the 99 and bring us home. That's our identity. That's where it is. He wrote his name on our soul, Sadiq, in permanent ink. This is true. We're dirt. We're God's dirt. We're God's dirt that says we're righteous. We are holy. We are his. He loves us. He owns us. Now we have habits. It doesn't matter what, you, what your parents said you were, what you say you are, what, 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 what is whatever's rattling around in your head. Set your mind on these things, controlled by the Spirit, that you are righteous. You are in the image of Jesus Christ. Watch. Then when you find yourself over here, what's a righteous young man doing in a place like this? I'm out of here. What's a righteous woman being consumed with petty jealousy? That's not who I am. I am Sadiq. I don't live in fear. I live in boldness. I am like Jesus. I don't live for security. I live to be alive, to show God's glory in my fullness of life. I live an impossible life overflowing with the love of Jesus Christ because that is who I am. That's identity kind of change. That's the first point. The second key to life change is slaves are not free. It's stating the obvious, but slaves are not free. Maybe this isn't obvious. You and me, Christ followers, we're slaves. Actually, no one is free. You choose your identity, you choose your master, and then you do what you're told. Choose your master, do what you're told. That's life. 
Look how, look how in these passages in Romans chapter 6, look at all the freedom that he talks about. There's no freedom here. So verse 16 says, do you not know if you present yourselves uh, to anyone as obedient slaves, that's us, you are slaves to the one that you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to sadiqness, there's righteousness. You've been set free, I'm free from sin, so that you can become a slave to righteousness. That's your identity. Don't think, just do. Look, just as you used to offer your parts of your body up to slavery, to impurity, and of her increasing wickedness, so now offer those same body, the body up to slavery of righteousness leading to holiness. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The, benef- the, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the results are eternal life. You're free now to be enslaved to the righteousness of God, to practice habits of holiness that brings about holiness and eternal life. You're working it this way because God has declared it that way. There's no freedom in this. There's no freedom. Freedom's overrated. It really, you know, I, there's a book written when I was in, I, gosh, I think it might have been high school. Uh, Everything I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. If you haven't read it, it's a really fun read. For me, I would say, whatever I really needed to know, I learned as a camp counselor. I was a camp counselor in a couple summers in college, and it was kind of at a sports camp. And to be a camper here, every single camper swam a mile. Open water, no flip turns, no rails to hold on to, every camper. You're a camper, you're a mile swimmer. You know why? Because your identity was a camper, so you mile swim, that's what you do. How do you train kids from first grade to 10th grade to all swim a mile? Here's what you do. From the first day on, you put them on a barge. You put 20, 30 kids on this barge, and then you take them out to the lake, and then you sing happy songs about, they're like mile swim victory songs. Like, you know, I don't know, like Vikings would sing. And then you kick them all off the barge. That's how you do it. Get off the barge. I'll see you on the shore. And you do that at 25 yards, and then 50 yards, and 100 yards, and 250 yards. And after three weeks, everybody can swim a mile on a lake. Open water. Choice. We don't give those campers a choice. That would be a waste of a choice. They chose to be campers. And if you're a camper, you're a mild swimmer. That's how I became a generous person. Not bragging. I'm just stating a miracle. I used to be so greedy, okay, and even fearful. And then I realized that Jesus is not greedy, and I'm in his image. I had to become generous because he is generous and his name is written on my soul in permanent ink. And so when I started grasping that, I started becoming more generous with my like emotions and energy, with my time and with my resources. And I became that. I was already generous. That was my identity. It just needed to work. I had to believe that. Are you a fear-filled person? No, you're not. Are you a worrier? No. No, you shouldn't be. You've, you've probably practiced that a lot and given yourself over to a stronghold of worry, a stronghold of being afraid. But I'm here to tell you, get off the dock. Get off the barge and get in there. You start over here, you say, I am not a fearful person. 
I am like Jesus Christ, who doesn't waver even in storms, and I will be that type of person. And then you find yourself just get off the barge and finding your way down here, and next thing you know, you have fruit of the Spirit. You don't start with that as a goal. It's a consequence. Just like not, you just start over. He's like, not today, Satan. I get it now. It's my identity that's driving this, and I ran out of choices when I chose my Savior. He's also my king, and I do what I'm told. That's how it works. Let me review. Three keys, right? It's identity-driven, right? Just agree with all the angels, all the demons. Agree with God Almighty that you are righteous. Everybody knows it. You're the last one to believe it, it seems like. Second, slaves aren't free. You're done with choices. Now just enjoy it. And then third is practice, not perfection. Practice, not perfection. I have found that when you're taking on an identity, right, and you start realizing that you, this is you, this is the true you, you, little wins, like, you know, little, little wins make big changes. And the little wins confirm that you are this identity. Little habits, baby steps over and over again, weeks, maybe months, and then years. You have this fruit to show for it. My wife became a marathoner this way. In high school, upper class, she went down to junior high and ran around the track once. It's 440 yards. That, that's all it is. And then somewhere on her way home, she said, I'm a runner. I run. And so the next day, she ran two laps. And she just kept a little bit. And then by the time she's in college, she won her age division in the Austin Marathon because she started here and expressed its way out. What about you? What attribute of Jesus Christ in his identity of righteousness and holiness and justification do you already possess that needs to be enjoyed? Love, Joy, courage, generosity, that's you. That's him in you. That's his name written on your soul in permanent ink. What are you to do next? What habit do you need to do to reflect that? Small wins end up with big change. What happens when you fall? You get back up. You do it again. Because nothing's changed about who you are. That's never changed. He doesn't let go of us. <laughs> All the things I really needed to know, I learned as a camp counselor. And I learned a lot from this guy named Tim. Tim, Tim and I went to high school and college, uh, junior high, high school and college together. We were big friends. And he's the one who ended up taking me to this sports camp. And uh, Tim did not suffer cowards well. And uh, Tim had a camper one time. His name was Wally. Uh, I think his name, I'm just going to call it Wally. And Wally, he had a bad first day because Wally was raised by a mommy. And his mommy made his bed the first day of camp. Moms, do not make your son's bed at camp, okay? It was a long, hard day for Wally because by the time he found all his bed parts, it was into the night. 
Anyway, Wally didn't, I don't know what happened, but he signed up for camp, and then he was a camper, and so you do what campers do, and it was time to do the blob. And the blob is this thing that floats out in the water. You're about one and a half stories high. You go out to this plank, and you jump off. Wally is at the ground in the fetal position, shaking and crying, saying, I want to go home. I just want to go home. Now, here's the thing about camp. I had a couple campers like that. I want to go home. You'd send them to the owner of the camp. The owner of the camp would sit them down, and here's what he would say. Not mean, just stating a fact. Oh, you can't go home. The only way kids go home is in an ambulance. <laughs> no, he would say this. It's just like a matter of fact. And he'd give them like a Boy's Life magazine and say, okay, go back to your cabin, but you don't go home unless it's in an ambulance. You know what he was doing? He's taking away his freedom. Right? There's no choice here. You're a camper. And so Tim was like, you're a blobber. And so he, he said, hey, Wally, you see John at the end of the line there? You're after John. You're going to blob today. No, I'm not. I'm not. So John went. Tim went down the ladder, grabbed Wally. Tim was strong. And climbed the ladder with Wally under his arm, puts him on the plank and says, Wally, I'm counting to three. One, two, three. Nothing happens. Grabs Wally, throws him onto the blob. (laughs) Worst blobbing ever. He comes out of the water screaming with joy. Got up the ladder, got back in line. Next time at the Blob Tower, uh, Tim, I'm going to need you to count to three. Okay. One, two, three. Tim, I'm going to need you to throw me off the line. <laughs> All right. Wally got sick and tired of being a slave to fear and liked to trade up to be a slave to courage. Wally was a camper, and campers are courageous, and courageous campers are blobbers. That's what they do. Next activity was sailing. I don't want to sail. I want to go home. I'm afraid of the water. Tim says, I got this. I'll go out there with you. I'll turn you into a sailor. Told him how to come about. Told him how to stall. All the things you're supposed to learn in sailing. While you're doing a great job, I am doing a great job. Tim jumped off the boat and swam in. (laughs) Eventually, Wally docked the boat. And he loved it. Because he traded a servitude of slavery for one of courage. He saw himself as a camper, and campers are courageous, and campers are sailors. Wally was a sailor. Next thing he went to, zipline. I'm not going to lie to you. This is three and a half stories. It's pretty scary. But guess what happened? Yeah, it happened. It happened. He became a, became a zipliner, and he traded He traded a slavery of fear for a slavery of courage. He became a courageous camper, and a courageous camper is a zipliner, and he expressed that by ziplining. That's what happened to him. That's what he became. You know what he ultimately became? An astronaut. No, he didn't. I just made that up. (laughs) Makes for a really great story, though, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) No. He became courageous. That's what he became. On Parents' Day, we, do, we would do a thing where we would just kind of fast forward through all the activities very, very quickly. And, and Wally was the first one on the blob tower. Watch, Mom. First one in the, in, the, in the sailing bay. Look, Mom. First one down the zip line. He won camper of the day, which is a pretty big deal. He had his mild swim patch. And when it was time to leave, it was, you know, the car here and Tim in front of the cabin And and Wally ran to Tim and said, I don't want to go home. Three weeks with Tim, Tim saw his identity 
And then he expressed it in his courage. And he wanted to stay that way. Wally became courageous because Tim saw his identity, took away his free will, and then gave him these little victories that turned into a big change. Jesus Christ did not crawl up on that cross, die an ugly death, and be raised the next day so that we could spend eternity with him. That was not his invitation. It was for eternal life. This is why he died. This is why he was raised again. This was his invitation. Let's go do scary things together. That's what he said. That's what he offered us. You are this way. Now, with me, let's go do scary things together. We'll go do blobs, and we'll do sunfish, uh, sailboats, and, and we'll do zip lines, and we will suffer. We will suffer. And you will boast, Romans 5, you will boast in your suffering because suffering produces endurance and long-suffering. And that endurance, it produces proven character. And proven character, that produces hope. And hope never disappoints. Hope never disappoints. And do you know why? Because God has poured his Holy Spirit into our souls. And do you know how he was able to do that? Do you know how God the Father was able to pour his Holy Spirit into our souls? His Son made us righteous. That's how it happened. You want to change your life? You just believe what God, angels, demons, all of creation know about you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You have a whole new identity. Now just watch. Watch what happens when you have a mind set on that spirit. Your life is a portrait that you get to bring into the halls of eternity to be displayed forever. That's a great invitation. Let's pray. I'm just going to pray Romans 13. It makes sense. Now, you and I, we need to do this, understanding this present time. The hour has come that we need to wake up, get off the barge, stop the slumber, because our salvation is nearer than now than we maybe first believed. He'll be home soon. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us set aside the deeds of darkness and put on an armor of light. Let us, let's behave. Let's have habits that are decent, like, in the day, like those in the daytime. Not of drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery, dissension, gossip, jealousy. Come on. That's not who you are. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of your old sinful nature. That's not you. Lord, we claim this prayer in Romans 13 to be our prayer. Lord, that you, you gave your life so that you might write on our souls in permanent ink that we are your son's righteousness. I pray that we would understand what that means so that we might live that out, that your spirit would give us a very specific application for what we need to do so as to express your image on our soul. We are so grateful, and we sing in that gratitude. And all God's people said, amen.